Joe. It's your neighborhood preacher, and praise the Lord. I just did an hour session and lost all my audio. <laughs> I'm doing this thing on my own. Uh, praise God for the neighborhood preacher ministry. I give glory and honor to him and him alone. I am, uh, again, not uh, uh, boasting in myself. I, I just praise the Lord for what he's doing in my life. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things that uh, try to stop you. There's going to be a lot of things that uh, that you find that, that that try to rise up against you. But listen, you got to press on to the high word call of God in your life. So listen, we're going to start fresh. We're doing this over again. And not only that, I'm going to bring more heart, more soul, but more of the spirit of God on it. Father, I pray that you anoint my lips. I pray that you anoint your word. It already is anointed, but may it bring forth fruit in a good grounded heart as we prepare ourselves not to hear from me, but to hear from you. I thank you for what you're doing in our life. In the mighty name of Jesus, have your way. I'm your neighborhood preacher and listen, I'm probably in a neighborhood near you because I'm right where you're at. Listen, we've been talking about discipleship and what a difficult, difficult topic topic because um, a lot of people don't like to go there. A lot of people don't like to talk about submission, humility. A lot of people don't like to talk about laying their life down. And, you know, I I really, really uh, liken or are the example to me of a disciple is is Christ. Christ laid down his life and therefore we should also do the same. But how am I going to lay down my life about something I don't quite understand? How am I going to lay down my life about something that uh, I don't really know the value and the weight and the power of? Uh, it's just not possible. you know. And to consider me changing my way of thinking, uh, my behavior, um, the way that I live and, and, and make my decisions. Uh, I mean, listen, unless you understand what you're trading your life for, I don't think it's ever going to happen. We have a lot of believers, uh, not followers. And I believe that the church of God needs to rise up. And not only do we need to follow, but we need to uh, be ones that are no longer sucking on the milk of the word or hearing um, a message we've already heard. And we need to be not only out there teaching and preaching, but uh, we're either learning at the feet of somebody or we're teaching and there's no in between. Uh, uh, I honestly believe that. So listen, let's get right into this. One of my favorite scriptures is Mark chapter eight, verse 34. And you're going to hear me say this all the time. This is what I live by, uh, but it's amazing. And, and, and listen, even though it's repetitive, I got a lot for you today. Stay tuned. Um, don't just think that you're going to hear the same thing because I'm, I'm going to break down something different. And I know that uh, God's spirit is all over it. So li- listen, in. Mark 8, 34, it says, when he called the people to himself. See, he called the people along with his disciples. You see, so this wasn't just for his disciples. This was for everybody that was around. He called everybody to himself and the disciples. He says, whoever desires to come after me, First, I want to say, do you desire to come after Christ? Do you desire it like that? Cookies and cream, 
ice cream? Do you desire it like that coffee in the morning? Do you desire it like that favorite relationship in your life? Do you desire, first of all, to come after Christ? See, that's where it starts. In order to be a disciple and walk with God, we have to have a desire to come after him. But when we do, he says, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. See, Jesus isn't into following me or you. God doesn't follow us. We follow him. That's the way it's designed. That's the way that it works. That's the way it is set up. It's rigged for us to have a passion, a pursuit, and know why we are laying our life down, denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following him. But listen, he says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses it for my sake and the gospels. You see, the reason why we have a lot of people going to church, a lot of people believing in God, and not truly surrendering their entire life, it's because they don't know the power of the gospel. Straight up. Do you, my friend, my family, my 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 the brethren, my, my sisters in the body of Christ, do you know the weight, the power, the value of the gospel? Do you know? Because if you don't know what it is, there's no way you can be laying your life down for it. I want to challenge you today. He says, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, pick up your cross. That means that you got to, you got to die to yourself daily. Just as Christ died on that cross for your sins, for your sake, you in return have to allow God to have all of your life, not some of your life, but you got to pick up that cross daily. And die to yourself daily. Daniel no longer exists. Daniel no longer has a say-so. You, my brother and sister, you no longer have a say-so when it comes to giving your life to Christ. He says, but if you desire to save your life, you're going to lose it. Listen, my friend, I'm going to tell you something. It's a cold world out here. And if you keep trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. You want to live by the ways of the world, by the doggy dog, the nail for nail and the tooth for tooth, the evil returning evil. Listen, you're not going to last long. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. You live by these worldly ways. Let me tell you something. It's just a matter of time before you're being consumed. What I want to remind you is that we got two choices. And being a disciple is a privilege. And right now, I just want to remind you, if you don't stand for anything in your life, you still stand for something. Me, I'm going to make a decision that my worldly ways, my conduct, my behavior, my ideology, the way that I thought, the way that, that who, everything I was, I'm going to... I'm going to say that that was never going to lead me to life because he says, if you desire desire to save your life, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses it for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will it a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen, there is no other way to save your soul. If there was, I'd tell you about it. There's no amount of riches. 
There's no car. There's, there's no relationship. There's, there's, there's no place you could travel. There's nothing you can do in your life that's going to give you an exchange for the sin in your life and your soul. You see, we as believers or people who, who acknowledge there is a God, we're in a world, in such a world and a generation that has watered down the gospel so bad that we don't even know what the true gospel is anymore. And it's not because he can save your marriage. It's not because he can heal your body. And it's not because he can prosper you. The gospel is the power of God onto salvation. Do you, do you understand that? How great that is? The gospel is the power of God onto salvation. It's the power of God. There is nothing else out here that's going to save our soul. That's going to redeem us out of the hand of the enemy and the flesh and the judgment of our sins. There's nothing out here that's going to purchase us. Nothing is going to give us an exchange for our soul. I think that's the reality, my friends, is that we don't know the true gospel. We don't know that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not a bedtime story. It's not a nursery rhyme. It's not a riddle. It's more than, 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 than a possible parable. It is the power of God on to your salvation. It is the bridge gapped from God to man. It is, it is, it is God pleading through Christ and through the gospel message that you might be one with him as Christ was one with him. It was Christ incarnate, God incarnate. It was God incarnate through Christ that came down, walked amongst us in the flesh, laid down his life. Jesus Christ laid down his life so that we might inherit eternal life. And if that is not weighty, if that doesn't shift your disposition on you living for yourself, if that doesn't um, cause a conviction within you, then my friend, you will never truly be saved. There is only one way to get to heaven, to be washed and cleansed for your sins. It's by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who we beheld and rejected. It is Christ Jesus alone. That gospel is the power of God to salvation. It's His saving grace. And there is no other way around it. And there is nothing you can do to give an exchange for your soul. What will man give in exchange for his soul? Even if he gains all the riches of the world, what can man give in, in exchange? Listen, are you, are you really ready to make that decision for Christ? Are you really willing to put him first in your life? Meaning where you lose control 
where you lose control of your will and you say, not my will, but your will be done. Because the greatest freedom that you could ever experience is not jumping out of a plane. It's not taking a swan dive off of the high dive. It's not sticking your head out of the window, you know, going 100 miles an hour out of a car. It's, it, there's no greater freedom than you can experience than letting go of your life for Christ's sake and the gospel's. Why? That is the power of God onto salvation. Do you know that? Are you aware of that? Has that been overwhelming your life and your heart? Because if it has, there's nothing you can do to contain it. There's nothing you can do to walk away from it. And I look back at my life and, and, and for these years that I walked away from the gospel, listen, I didn't walk away. I'm, God has allowed me still to come back, praise the Lord, because of his saving grace. How dare me try to pick back up my life and my ways and, and any of my desires or fantasies or habits or wants or needs. Nothing can compare to me becoming a disciple, laying my entire will and life down, my decisions, my ways of thinking, and my heart and my life down for Jesus. There's no better friend than one who would lay down his life, and that was Jesus Christ. He says in verse 38, who, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Listen, me and you have to realize that Satan believes in Jesus Christ. And there's a whole lot of good people who also believe in Jesus Christ. But do we believe on to the point of death? Do we believe on to the point of dying to ourselves daily that he might live? Are we more passionate about our favorite TV show and ice creams and people and, and friends and acquaintances and, and, and things that we like in our life more? Are we more passionate about things in the world than we are than giving our life to Christ? Listen, it's a sad reality and it's a sad truth, but that is the truth of the matter. There's a lot of believers but there's not a lot of followers. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, the first thing is you got to deny yourself. Are you, my friend, willing to give up your whole life? Because that is what is truly being saved and converted. That is what is truly being a disciple on your way to heaven, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and walking in oneness with God through his Son, Christ. That's what it is. That's what it's about. And that's the price that me and you have to pay if we're going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. You know, one thing you notice here is that 
Jesus didn't keep coming to people and saying, hey, I want what's best for your life. You know, let, 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 me, let me help you out. You know, let, let, let me mentor you. Let me, let me disciple you. Let me, um, let me, let me help you uh, be the best that you can be. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, come after me. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. That means whatever it is you're going through. That means whatever it is you got to lay down and get around, climb over or go under. Whatever it is you need to do, whatever you need to adjust. What are you truly doing to come and pursue Christ Jesus? You see, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it to this sick world. And you're nobody to judge. If you, des- if you desire to live in the things of the world. Listen, when your family members get murdered, don't sit there and get angry at the murderer because you don't live by that code. You don't live by righteousness and call sin what it is. Listen, if you hate your brother for no reason, that's already committing murder in your heart, Jesus said. And here's the fact of the matter. You're nobody to judge now. For if you choose to live in the things of the world, then guess what, my friend? Get ready to be consumed by the things of this world because the world is under the sway of the God of this world. And the God of this world, even though God created it, he allowed Satan, the principality, the ruler of air and darkness, he allowed him to have the world under his sway. Be ready to be overtaken by the things of this world, the lust of it and the pride of life or the pride of life and the lust of the flesh. Because that's the truth. The truth is, is that there's nothing you can do to get to heaven any other way around Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was not just, just a prophet, not, not just a man that did good works. He wasn't just a man who, 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 did godly things or things of righteousness or or or, or, or was a man with, with, with just a good heart. He was a man who fulfilled over 300 prophecies about himself in the word of God. He was the he was God incarnate and, and, and he came in the form of his son wrapped in flesh and he laid down his life for you and me. That we might, in return, give our lives back to him. Jesus was more than just a prophet. Jesus was the son of God. Jesus was the bridge. The bridge back to God, reconciling man back to the father. Do you know? what you're truly giving up your life for? Because it's not about church. It's not about the work in church. It's not about doing good works. It's about you realizing that the gospel of Jesus Christ, what Jesus did for you, was the power of God on to salvation, to eternal life. And there is no other way to obtain eternal life unless through the Son of God receiving 
that he died on that cross, that he was beaten and persecuted, spit upon, a crown of thorns pressed into his head. They were hitting him from the back with a reed, with a, with a stick, saying, prophesy to us. Who was the one that hit you? He took our place. He became sin, the Bible says, that knew no sin. Yet, we want to tolerate sin. We want to ease our conscience by going to church. and We want to read the Bible a little bit. And we want to lie to ourselves and say, well, everybody starts somewhere. Listen, my friends, you better start at the, at the cross. And you better start at the reality that your sins were as filthy rags, making you an enemy of God. You had no inheritance to the kingdom of heaven and you were a foreigner on our way to hell. Even though God didn't create hell for man. Well, you might get upset at that. And you might say, well, why did he even have to go? Though? It really doesn't matter because he made a way back to himself. And only by faith can you receive the Son of God. And quite frankly, you cannot please God without faith. Are you willing to give up everything for Jesus? And there was a time in my life I really thought that I was giving up everything for Jesus. I really, really did. I was young. I guess I'm still young. But I was young and I thought I knew a lot and, and maybe I did. But my heart breaks on this microphone right now because I know where you're at. And if you're pressing toward the high call of God in your life, I admonish you. And what a privilege it is to have you into the kingdom of God. But if you're wrestling like I did at times, and if you're not sure, and at times you're picking your life up here and there, and at times you're fulfilling <clears throat> your will, my friends, it's not worth it. A little sin here and there, a little not caring here and there, a little, eh, whatever here and there. That's not the will of God for your life. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And it's not to harm you. But it's to prosper you. It's to prosper his spirit within you so that you might be, your joy might be full and, and your life might be filled with the kingdom of heaven with the ways of God himself. I really believe that once we get past ourselves, once we let go, once you deny yourself and you absolutely let go of your life of all control, that's when it gets really good. That's when it gets amazing. Because there's no better freedom than letting go of your life knowing that God the Father through the Spirit of Christ, has got you. Are you willing to give up everything? Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. Paul has gone through quite a bit of persecution. He's gone through hell and back. He says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious. But for you, it is safe. 
You see, Paul found himself constantly repeating himself because the people of God weren't getting it. And that's just like today. Sometimes you'll hear me continue to repeat the things that I feel are in the heart of God because we're not getting it. We're not embracing it. And that doesn't mean I'm mad at anybody. It just means, just like Paul, I'd rather repeat it so that you get it. So that we might walk in it. So that we might obtain it. That we might uphold the truth and the power of God's word. He says, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he has confidence in the flesh, I more so, Paul says. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel. He goes on to tell you his decorating attributes. He says, I was of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of all Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, he persecuted the church. Concerning righteousness, which is in the law, he was blameless. He says, but what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. What things are gained to you? What things do you have in your life that you might not even be willing to part from? What things do you think decorate you? Are they a degree? Is it your family? Is it your material things? What is it about you and me that decorate us, that make us something in this world? He says, but what things were gained to me, these things I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost. He didn't say some things. He said all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. There's too many of us who believe in the power of God's word, who believe in the gospel, but we do not have an excellent spirit about us to know the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We might pray a little. We might read a little. We might know a little. And that's good enough. But, he said, but Paul says, I count all things as a loss that I might, for the excellence, have the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Is that your heart today? Are you willing to say everything that I am, everything that I have, I count it as trash, rubbish, as nothing meaningless that I might obtain Christ. If you're, my friend, if your heart is not there, if that's not what you're seeking, if that's not what you live by, you may not truly be saved. You may not truly know the gospel in which you thought you received was the power of God unto salvation. It has to become what you live for. And our lives have to, have to change. There has to be a turning point where we lay down our lives daily so that we might obtain excellence to have the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. To suffer 
and to anything that's obtained to count it all as a lost, that we might gain Christ and be found in him. And not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. We cannot please God without faith. In verse 10, he says, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Listen, have you ever raised anybody from the dead and sat them at the right hand of the throne of God? Paul is saying, I don't want anything. I count everything that I have as nothing that I might know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. What a privilege, Paul is saying, for me to suffer for Christ, that I might be able to say, wow, this doesn't scratch the surface, but he suffered for me, that I might obtain some kind of knowledge, some kind of tangible reference to my Lord and my Savior, that if I suffer, that I might be able to say, I might be a little bit like Christ. He says, to have fellowship with his sufferings and be conformed to his death. Are you conformed, my brothers and sisters, to his death? Do you know that you've been purchased with the price that you no longer are your own, that the your, your old person is dead? Or, are you, or is that old person still living, making decisions, living in its flesh and its wants and its desires? He says, if by any means I might obtain to the resurrection from the dead, that I might even gain this. He says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I might lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also lay a hold for me. My brothers and sisters, as a disciple, as a true follower, are you pressing on? I didn't ask you how you felt. I didn't ask what you're going through. We can't establish our relationship with God by everything that's, that's surrounding us and all the circumstances of them. But are you pressing on that you might lay a hold of that? That power, that, 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 that and what he did in which Christ Jesus also laid a hold of me and for you. Brethren, he says, I do not count myself to apprehend but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the goal of that prize, he says, toward that upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, therefore, let us as many as are mature. My friends, are you mature enough to receive this? Because I think you are. He says, let us have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal. He will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind, pressing toward the goal of the prize and the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, my friends, our life is hidden in Christ Jesus. I want to share something really, really special 
uh, out of the scriptures, but in my heart, uh, out of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22. The Bible says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Abdullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Listen, David is in a terrible season in his life. David loves the man of God, King Saul. King Saul is the anointed one of God. King Saul is going through some terrible times in his own life. And he's being tormented in his mind. He's being tormented. He has no peace. And he finds this skinny, ruddy uh, 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 man. And, and he plays the harp for him. And he brings him peace. But King Saul soon forgets this because, because he begins to get jealous. And David's now on, on, on a run for his life. David's, David's running from King Saul because King Saul wants to kill him. David loves him so much, so he goes and he hides and he departs. He escapes to the cave of Abdullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. You see, listen, it says here in verse 2, And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, so that he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Listen, this could, have, could not have been any more worse of a time in David's life. David is already going through hell and back. David is already running for his life. Now 400 men, 400 men come distressed and in debt and discontented, and they gather to David. Why? Because David wasn't playing patty cake. David wasn't singing gospel uh, uh, nursery rhymes. David wasn't saying, oh, I just want to preach love so I don't offend you. David was telling these men what they needed to do to get out of distress and discontentment and out of debt. David was preaching to them the things that needed to break off of their life. David became captain over them. Why? Because they allowed David to be captain. They allowed David to be captain. This is being a true disciple. It's following. It's pursuit. Listen, David carried what these men needed. So they could become mighty men of God. There's a man or a woman, a mentor, that is filled with the Spirit of God and has a heart after God. That God has already revealed to you. But you never, ever, ever hear Jesus saying, Hey, come on, man. Hey, come on, man. And, and, and we're in a generation full, full of crybabies. We're in a generation full of people where you got to do it all for them. These men knew very well exactly what they needed to do. They came and they allowed David to be a captain over them. They allowed David to be a captain. They allowed him to speak into their life and break the things that kept them distressed, kept them in debt, and kept them discontented. And it's just like Jesus when he arrives on the scene and he says, follow me. And the gospel's presented to us and to our life even now. Are we willing to pursue after Christ? 
like these mighty men pursued after David? Are we willing to pursue after Christ like the apostles and the disciples pursued after Jesus? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to let somebody correct us, edify us, build us up, and lead the way? Or are we too stuck in our own perceptions, in our own counsel, in our own ways of thinking, and the way that it's got to be? Listen, that's not going to work. And right here, David was a man that they allowed to become a captain over their life. Why am I sharing this with you? Because if you look at 2 Samuel chapter 23, you're going to see exactly what began to happen as David describes his mighty men in verse 8. It says, these are the names of the mighty men who David had. Josheb, Bathshibeth, the, the, the Tachmanite, chief among the captains. He was also called the Dino, the Esnite, because he had killed 800 men at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite. One of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. The men of Israel had retreated. He rose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. They couldn't get this sword out after battle, after how many men this, that he took out. And there was a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. After him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Herorite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground. It's just a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. They were too afraid to fight off the Philistines for this piece of ground full of lentils. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field and he defended it and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. And you can continue in 2 Samuel chapter 23. But look at what began to happen to these men as they made the man of God captain over their life. They became mighty men. They were no longer in distress. They were no longer in debt. And they were no longer discontented. There is a mighty man of God, that God wants to link you up, a man or a woman of God, and he wants to help you be the best that you can be. And that is what discipleship is all about. It's not about anyone making you a disciple after themselves, but it's about making you a disciple after Christ. I want to say it to you this way. We cannot say that we honor God that we don't see if we are not before a man or a woman of God that we do see and honoring them. Listen, we must press toward the upward call of God in our life. And he's got to be everything. We can't water down the gospel. And if we're a disciple, we're either sitting at the feet of somebody and learning, or we're teaching it to somebody. I want to stir your faith up because I know that if you're like me, there's relationships that were broken. If you're like me, there's 
there's times where 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 you want to learn and and you want to get closer to God but sometimes even in the correction there's there's this pride that rises up and and it hurts the relationships between each other but listen if you look at Hebrews chapter 12 if you go there with me I just want to I just want to teach you something here if you look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5 it says you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons my son do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he corrects, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father doesn't chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are a bastard or illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall not we much more readily be in subject, subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, and it seemed best to them. For he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Listen, without correction, without somebody helping you point out the character flaws in your life and the things that aren't aligned with the word of God, we cannot strive for holiness. He says, no, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. When that correction comes, when, when a man or a woman of God has been placed into your life, it could even be, you could even be uh, um, listening to me and you have parents right now that want you to do the things of God or correct you in the things of God. Listen to me. It may not seem joyful for the present but painful nevertheless afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it we must be men and women that are teachable that are humble that can receive from one another like i said we're either teaching or we're learning we have to be trained by this but we can't say that we're being corrected by god and we're yielding to that correction and we're allowing it to yield peaceable fruits in our life if we're not even yielding to a man or a woman of god with godly counsel a lot of times when you start um having relationships of discipleship and 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 godly counsel a lot of times if you're not humble your perspective can rise up real quick and there can be an argument. And this is what I'd like to share with you. There is no honor until there's a disagreement. You can honor somebody as long as you agree with them. But true honor is always found in disagreement. Remember that as you begin to pursue the man or woman of God or person of God in your life that's going to take you to a higher place and help you press toward that upward call of Jesus Christ in success, uh, in excellence, that you might have the knowledge of Christ Jesus, laying your life down. Listen, the road of the world is very wide and many are on it. But the road to salvation and walking with God is very narrow and few are on it. 
I hope I've encouraged you today to look inside of your heart and examine your heart and know where you're truly at in your decision with Christ. To know where you're truly at in your decision with who's controlling your life and what you're living for. My desire is to edify the body of Christ, to challenge you, uh, to help you go deeper into the things of God. I pray that I'm doing that. Listen, there's a man or a woman of God that may not be in the package or the wrapping that you wanted it to be, but there's somebody out there and remember, it is your job to pursue them. You never find Jesus. Keep going around and saying, I love you. I want the best for you. And continuing to call. He calls. We either obey and listen and follow or we don't. I pray that this has resonated within your spirit and within your heart. And I just pray for you right now, Father, in Jesus' name, every person that has heard this message, that's listening to my voice, I pray for relationships to be restored. Spiritual mother and fathers and people who've been in, 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 the li- in our lives and, and anything that's happened, um, any areas of pride, any areas where we, f- we thought we were right and walked away or any areas where we lifted up our heart instead of humbled ourselves, Lord, I just ask, Father, that you just restore our heart that you bring healing. Father, most of all, I pray for those that have harmed us, that have ruled over us, that have abused their authority, that have taken advantage of us when we did truly lay our life down so that we might learn more of you. I ask, Lord God, that you would allow the spirit of forgiveness to be within our heart. Most of all, Lord God, I ask that we would acknowledge your commandment to go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them and reminding them all you've commanded. May we no longer be huge, full, fat, uh, in, in, in a way, uh, believers and Christians, Father, full of head knowledge, just large with knowing and not doing. May we, Lord God, Do what we've been taught. No longer being babes after your milk. After satisfying just with the principal thing, the elementary things. And for many of us, we're still learning them again. May we mature and grow, Lord, so that we could advance your kingdom and help others press toward the upward call of God in their life. It's your neighborhood preacher. I always tell you, stay up, stay prayed up. And until next time, I love you. Got something coming soon. Keep me in prayer. Listen, if I've uh, blessed you, pass me along. Shoot me some comments. You need prayer for anything. You know how to reach me. But listen, stay up, stay prayed up because it gets real. And listen, the enemy is just waiting to blindside you. Remember, your life is hidden in Christ. And until next time, I love you. God bless.